0: The Fall Guy, only in theatres May 3rd, rated PG-13 What's going on people? Welcome to the Post Game Number Crunch As usual, I'm your host Jake Painting creator of the House and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopers and SB Nation. If you would like to subscribe to House and Growls, follow the link in the show notes or head to howesandgrowls.substack.com to grab a free trial or a $3 per month subscription. I'd like to thank everybody that has done so up to this point, especially if it has come from listening to me rant on this podcast. Because today I officially made this a part-time job and not just a time-consuming hobby. I've cut my 50-hour work week in half and although it kind of doesn't seem like a big deal, that is really a big deal to me. So thank you for all the subscribers and of course to all of the listeners here, whether you subscribe or not. And an even bigger thank you to those joining the show after a loss. I know it can become a little harder, at least for me, To consume content after the Wolves lose but this one really felt like a loss that wasn't quite as demoralizing as some of the ones Minnesota has taken this season. They end the second game of their mini-series against the Dallas Mavericks with a 104-99 loss and that's usually the way that these little series go unless the team is drastically better than their opponent. History and statistics show that they usually end up in a split. Still, that didn't really make this one a moral victory. Really, the Wolves will probably feel like they should have won this game, but a late-game barrage of threes kind of buried them, and really just scoring under 100 points is always going to be a death wish, even if you manage to hold your opponents to just 104 points. Now, of course, the big story again from this game is that the Wolves only made eight threes compared to Dallas's 13. In a game, you lose by five points and score under 100 points. That is, once again, a very big deal. But I want to try and spin this as a somewhat positive. And that's why this episode's number is 52. As in the 52 points Minnesota scored in the paint compared to Dallas's 28. Let's take a break and dive deeper into some of those numbers. So the Wolves scored 52 points in the paint, which is actually below their season average of 54.7, a number that ranks them equal sixth in the league. And they allowed just 28, which is a ridiculously low number, way above their season, uh, way below their season average of 46.3 points allowed in the paint per game. But even then, that 46.3 number ranks them third in the NBA so far. And that's how this Wolves team have managed to be a 500 team 32 games into the season while shooting a paltry amount of threes and making them at an even worse clip. I've spoken a ton about how they're at a disadvantage with their three-point shooting, but one way to at least give themselves a chance to overcome that disadvantage is to dominate teams at the rim on both ends. It's not always going to work, I mean it didn't work in this game and it hasn't worked a a bunch of times this season and really it's blatantly obvious how much this team needs their shooters back and probably some extra shooters on top of that when it doesn't work. But being a paint dominant team on both ends has also worked in the games that they have won a bunch as well. As I said, the Wolves are 6th in points in the paint and 3rd in points allowed in the paint. But those numbers transfer to percentages as well. Minnesota shoot the fourth most shots at the rim with 38.8% of their shots coming from within four feet of the hoop. And they make them, they make those shots at a 68.2% clip. That's the 10th best percentage in the lead. And on the other end, they allow the 10th fewest shots at the rim with their opponents shooting just 33% of their shots from within four feet. And those shots only go in at a 63 points, 63.5% clip, which is the seventh best defensive field goal percentage in the league. So, while it's pertinent that Minnesota are starting games at a disadvantage from deep, it's also just as pertinent that they are starting the game with an advantage in shots taken and made inside the paint where it is analytically the most efficient area to shoot. And in some ways, that is a whether for this team's success they've had ten games where they shot over 75 percent from the rim this season and they are eight and two in those games and they've had eight games where they've held their opponent under 55 percent shooting at the rim and they're six and two in those games both that 75 and 55 percent number are remarkably high and remarkably low for any team to do in any game the fact that Minnesota have strung together 18 total games where they've Hit those watermarks is really impressive, and again, I think that's the reason why they are scraping to 500 and not a team that's really struggling in terms of win loss percentage, despite their shooting struggles pretty much consistently throughout the season. And it's this team's sword and their axe on offense, right? Like, there's a hope that Carlton Towns and Torian Prince will return and that Minnesota are going to climb out of the doldrums of the lead shooting-wise. But that should only really serve as a bonus to what they do really well. And what they do really well is storing in the paint and limit other teams from storing in the paint. Maybe when those guys are back, this game against Dallas would be a win. Maybe a few other games since Cat and Prince's absence would have been wins as well. But if you're looking through this strange season, which has seemed a bit muddled offensively for the entirety of the season for an offensive identity for minnesota then patrolling the paint well on both ends of the ball is their identity they are a great defensive team in the paint and they are a great offensive team in the paint and it's probably where you should be looking as well because those two things encompass the talent of this team's best players Anthony Edwards is their most prominent rim attacker from the perimeter, the most prominent player from the perimeter, maybe the most prominent figure in the entire franchise. And again, he's the kind of guy who wants to get downhill early and often, and even more so lately, has been getting downhill a lot. And Rudy Gobert, obviously the polarizing figure who's now a figurehead of this team, is their most effective rim scorer and one of the most effective rim scorers in the league. Throw in Carl Anthony Towns, who's obviously not playing right now, but still a massive part of this puzzle. And he is great at both attacking the rim with the ball in his hands and finishing when he gets there. On the other side of the ball, Gobert, again, huge figurehead in this organization now, is obviously awesome at defending the paint, one of the very best in the league. And even a core piece like Jaden McDaniels, who's kind of a rung or two lower than those guys is very, very good at driving down field goal percentage at the rim with his length and his shot blocking ability. So for me, that's what this Wolf team that's what this Wolves team does. I've been searching, I think, high and wide for a lot of the season to figure out what they do best. Every team has to have an identity and have a thing that they do better than other teams or better than most other teams. And this is what it is for the Wolves. They shoot well at the rim and they don't let other teams shoot well at the rim they shoot a lot at the rim and they don't let other teams shoot a lot at the rim it's not perfect i i am the first to admit that and i'm the first to jump on the hate train about how bad this team's shooting is the fact that they are very good at shooting the best two point shots is important but it is susceptible to mathematical problems right but that in theory, is just what they are right now. Not even in theory, in practice, is what they are right now. They are a team that does those things, and it's going to result in mismatched results because you can't purely beat teams based on scoring in the paint. This game against Dallas was the perfect example. Dallas didn't shoot very well from three, but they just shot more of them and made a few more. Outscored Minnesota by 15 from behind the arc, and won the game by five points. Pretty simple maths. But Minnesota also probably would have been blown out in this game. They would have been blown out in a number of other games. They might have lost games that they've won if they weren't so dominant inside the painted area. They're going to need all of that identity against the Boston Celtics, who are the team they're playing next up, because Boston score at the 12th best clip at the rim and hold teams to the 9th lowest clip at the rim. I'll be here to discuss that one when it rolls around on Friday night. Hope you will be too.